I'd like for you to visualize in your mind a battlefield. Craters. Dead bodies. Fire. Devastation everywhere you look. Everything is leveled. But you notice one solitary figure standing. The closer you look, it's the Lord. Bruised, burned, wounded, marred, but he's standing. He has surfaced from the darkness. He's come forth from the volcano of the wrath of God. And he makes one statement. I thirst. Let's take our Bibles and turn to John 19, please. John's Gospel, chapter 19. Begin reading in verse 28. John 19 and verse 28. If you're just joining us today, we have endeavored to take the seven sayings of Christ from the cross. Today is number five and number six. Watch your Bibles, please. Verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel of vinegar, a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon hyssop and put it to his mouth. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he dismissed his spirit. <clears throat> we remember that three hours of darkness covered the land from approximately 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. At about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the orphan cry comes forth from the darkness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it would appear that light comes. And in the light again, and after the darkness, he will make three more statements. I thirst, it is finished, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. The scriptures remind us that before he makes the fifth cry from the cross, 
that the statement is made after this. Now, in John's account, the order is not exactly there because we have just, in John's account, read the third statement. Woman, behold thy son, and to the disciple that he loved, behold thy mother. But we know that the three hours of darkness have come, the orphan cry, and the scriptures say, after this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished. That's the reason I believe the work was done in the three hours of darkness. That's the, that's the reason that I believe he is referring now to the payment that was made, to the suffering that no one else could see, that he and God alone, perhaps only he alone, as it seems as though God turns his back and cannot bear it. Sin separates us from God, and the Lord Jesus has become sin for us. Now he is separated from God. After this, after the darkness, after the battle, after this, Jesus knowing all things are now accomplished. The battle has been raging. The fires of God's wrath have taken its toll. The seed of the woman has bruised the head of the seed of the serpent. The struggle with the power of darkness is over. The exhausted winner seems to take stock for a moment. He looks around. He evaluates the battlefield, and he says, I thirst. As natural as an exhausted runner at the end of the race thirsts as natural as a soldier come back from the battle, he thirsts. The mighty warrior now, for the first time, turns attention to himself. You may well remember the story of Robert Louis Stevenson as he tells about a storm that threatened to drive a ship uh, upon the rocks with sudden destruction for all that were on board. One man on the ship broke through. He reached the bri bridge. He saw the captain lashed to his post, gripping the wheel, ever moving the boat so slowly, inch by inch, away from the rocks. As the captain looked at the man, he smiled. The man ru ru rushed back to the frightened passengers and said, I've, I've seen the face of the pilot, and he smiled. All is well. Folks, let me tell you that when we hear the Lord Jesus say, I thirst, it gives us confidence, the the Savior would never turn attention to himself unless all was well. A great comfort to us. But not only do we see him as the exalted, as the exhausted uh, victor, but we also see him identifying himself for who he is. There can be no mistakes here. If we get the wrong man, we have no salvation. And so now that the scriptures might be fulfilled, he says, I thirst. We read these words in Psalm 22. You don't need to turn there. 
prophetically speaking, of course, of the Lord Jesus, he says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd. Potsherd. Earthen vessel, clay vessel, made of earth. They take the clay, they water it down, they make it moldable, they put it into the shape that they desire, and then they put it in the hot sun or the oven to dry it. My strength is dried up. He has been in the oven of God. He has been in the sun of God's wrath. My strength is dried up like an earthen pot. My tongue cleaves to my jaw. Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. Psalm 22 and other verses in that psalm indicating prophetically what would happen to the Lord Jesus. And then in Psalm 69, listen to these words. In my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. <laughs> we are talking about a thousand years before Calvary. And the Scripture must be fulfilled. And it's got to be the right person. And he's got to fulfill the Scriptures in order to identify himself. It was recognition. It was identification. I thirst. No other person in history could match his credentials. He bore the marks and fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy. And in doing so, he cries, I thirst. It marked him out as the promised Savior of men. I thirst. Not only would he say, I thirst, but he would say, it is finished. Now, it doesn't take a lot of thought to realize that in the fifth saying, we have I, in the sixth saying, we have it. <laughs> the I and the it of Calvary. I thirst, it is finished. <clears throat> the Lord Jesus, when he makes the statement that it is finished, is actually the third time in Scripture that these words are mentioned. In Genesis, we read, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. In the book of the Revelation, we read, the king of kings had finished the work perfectly. It is done. In the middle, the Lord Jesus cries from Calvary, it is finished. Let me tell you how important that is. If we had no middle cry, if we had no cry from the cross that it is finished, who cares about a material universe? <laughs> and who cares about a kingdom to come? This is the most important cry. It is finished. <clears throat> what does it mean, it is finished? Jesus did not say, I am done. I am finished. 
It's all over for me. I've done my part. Now you do your part. The sixth cry from the cross says, It is finished. Three words in the English, only one in the original. One word. We could translate it in our English, done. Done. Tetelestai. It is finished, the full meaning says, and as a result, it is forever done. Paid in full. Someone has suggested it like this. It was the word of accomplishment. It is finished, done. But it was also a word of relief. It's done. It was a word of satisfaction. It is done. But it was also a word of fact. It's done. It was also a word of victory. The victory shout, done, tell, tell us die. It's done. But it was also a work that was done. Perfect perfection in view. The spirit of the word could be seen as a farmer would view his herd or his flock, and occasionally there is a perfect specimen born. A lamb, a sheep, a goat, in all of its ways. And the farmer could be heard to say, Tetelestai, perfect specimen. Some years ago, my, <clears throat> my wife was uh, talking to our first granddaughter, our first grandchild. She was five years old, little Mackenzie. She was reading a book to her called The Lamb. And she was explaining to little Mackenzie how Jesus was a perfect baby. And five-year-old Mackenzie said, I bet he cried when he wet his diaper. I bet he cried when he was hungry. And Grandma is reeling for a moment trying to respond to that. When five-year-old Mackenzie said, but Grandma, those were communication cries. That wasn't sin. I asked Mackenzie's mother, what are you teaching these children? <laughs> she said, I taught the children that the Lord Jesus was perfect in every way. And before he could talk, before he could communicate that way, that the only way he could communicate was to cry, and it wasn't wrong. He was communicating his need to his mother. Perfect in every way. An artist paints a picture. I can't even draw stick people, so I, I can't appreciate this very good, you know. But artists take sometimes months, if not years, to make one picture. They work on it. They work on it. They stand back. They look. It's not right. They erase. They recolor. They restructure. They work. They work. They work. But at some point, the last stroke of the brush is made and they stand back and they say I, I, I can't touch it again tell tell us die it's done to to add would mar it to to take away would mar it I cannot touch it again we've heard quite emphatically this morning and I so have been appreciating the ministry from our brother Mike. 
nothing perfect down here. But there was one. And not only was he perfect, he did a perfect work. The picture that he painted came to a point in his life where he stood back and he said, Tell Telestai it's done. It cannot be altered. When the Son of God in the fullness of time offered himself as a spotless lamb upon the cross of Calvary, he cried, Done! Interestingly enough, the Scriptures on three occasions put it like this, when Jesus had cried again with a loud voice. When Jesus cried with a loud voice. When Jesus had cried with a loud voice, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record it. He shouts the victory. Done. Done. Well, we might ask the question, what was the it that was done? So perfectly, so complete. Work of salvation is done. He endured the cross, never to go to the cross again. I, I remember on one occasion down in the uh, southern part of Ontario, um, I had had a, a, some meetings and I was fueling up my car and I I got some gas I want to pay for it, and there's a young man there. And I was paying for my gas, and I began to talk to him about the Lord Jesus. And I said, son, they, they took him and they crucified him, and, and they killed him, and he was buried, and, and, and he rose again so that you could have salvation. That's how much he loved you, and, and he ascended back into heaven. And, and son, one day he's going to come back and receive all who've trusted him to be with him forever. He looked at me as serious and sober as he could, and this is what he said, do you think that they will crucify him again when he comes back? I said, no. The scriptures are very clear. He goes to Calvary once. He deals with sin once. He's appeared at the cross once. And it's over. It's over. The torment of the payment of all the accumulatively of the sins of people were done. All of the sins of the world laid upon him, done. He paid for them one time. The suffering is done. The punishment of the guilt is done. The experience of all of the combined hell, of all of the combined people of earth is done. He will not replay it. It's done. Smitten, stricken of God, done. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It'll never be repeated. He has made him to be sin for us. It will never be repeated. He gave himself a ransom for all. It'll never be repeated. Uh, Revelation puts it like this. Thou wast slain. Thou hast redeemed us to God. Never to be repeated. One salvation forever done 
The master workman, the Lord Jesus himself, looks upon the finished product, if I could put it that way, and he says, done, perfect, and complete, tel telestai. An old Egyptian wrote these words, We build like giants, we finish like jewelers. <laughs> so was the work of our Lord Jesus, a gigantic work done with such perfection and detail that nothing was left to chance. In the 12th century, an old Christian by the name of Beatty set forth to translate the Gospel of John into his own native language. Very old, body racked with pain, one wondered if he would ever complete the work. The young man who wrote his dictation pleaded with him to leave the task unfinished. You're too old and you're too sick. But he would not rest. Finally, the last chapter was reached. Would death delay its approach until the work was done? The young scribe said, Master, one more sentence, one more. He read the word. The dying man gave the English equivalent. The young man proclaimed, Master, it's done. It is finished. Finished? Said the old saint. Finished? Lift me up to the window of my cell, he said. And in doing so, he said, Now glory be to God. And he was gone to his reward. Is that your testimony? Do you want it to be your testimony? Are you fighting a good fight? Are you keeping the faith? Are you going to finish your course? Are you focused? Will you endure to the end? To know the joy of a life lived for the Master. To be ready to go. To be able to say, the time of my departure is at hand. And I'm ready. The Lord Jesus finished the course. The sixth saying from the cross would have perhaps very little meaning unless you apply it to yourself. How does it affect us? How do you see yourself in this cry? How do you see your substitute in this cry? A Sunday school teacher asked her class one day, at the end of time, when God judges all men, if you could have one person to stand in for you at the judgment, who would you pick? Little boy said, Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> who would you pick? There's nobody else that can stand in for you, folks. <laughs> There's nobody else that's lived the perfect life. There's nobody else that's done it perfectly. 
And if you don't choose him to stand in for you, you have no hope. You will bear your own burden. You will bear your own sin. You will bear the penalty of your sin unless someone stands in for you. <clears throat> the it has so completely been perfected at Calvary that a hymn writer got a hold of this and wrote these words. Man of sorrows. What a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Seal my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Guilty, vile, helpless we. Spotless Lamb of God was he. Full atonement can it be. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished, was his cry. Now in heaven exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. What does that statement mean to heaven? <laughs> Angels rejoice. Old Testament saints rejoice. They've waited. For the seed of the woman to bruise the head of the seed of the serpent. God himself rejoices. The work is finished. He proved it when he raised him from the dead. What does that statement mean to hell? All who listen to the folly of, of sin and death, the, their doom is fixed. The gulf is fixed. The despair of hell is complete. The prince of this world has been crushed. The devil has been destroyed. Jesus now carries the keys of death and hell. What does it mean to earth? Different responses. To some who know the Lord, salvation is now a free gift. They rejoice, not of works, lest anyone should boast. To many, it's still not clear. It's an enigma to them. They don't know what the statement makes. To others, they're just indifferent. They're still uh, concerned with the, with the things of life, the tinsels, the treats, the money, the stocks, the bonds, the sticks, and the bricks of life, and they're caught up, and it means nothing to them. The God of this world has still blinded their minds. To a few, the statement actually makes them mad. It provokes them. They hate God. They love sin. They want to be left alone. They don't care that it's finished. If you want to go it alone, God's a perfect gentleman. Just go. Just go. But there was a perfect work done 2,000 years ago on the cross just outside the north gate of Jerusalem by a man called the Son of God for you. 
If you don't want him, you don't have to have him. But the consequences have eternal consequences. Separation from God. But you choose. To God the Father, He's absolutely satisfied. The work of Christ is done. He proved His satisfaction by raising Him from the dead. God is completely satisfied with Him. Could I ask you a question? How about you? Are you completely satisfied with Him? It is enough that Jesus died. And then He died for me. A young man approached a preacher after a gospel meeting like we had last night. He says to the preacher, I'd like to be saved. What must I do to be saved? And the preacher said, you're too late. He said, certainly I can't be too late. The meeting is just over. He said, no, you're too late. You're hundreds of years too late. The work is done. Salvation is complete. A perfect work is finished. The Lord Jesus said so in His dying breath. Done. I want you to think with me for a minute that in all of our life, in every effort that we could make, any goodness that we could do, any service for God that would count, could never improve the work of Jesus Christ. If you could be good enough Pray enough, preach enough, serve enough, give enough to merit any favor from God. The work of Christ would be insufficient. And the Lord Jesus said, tell Telestai, it is done. What can we do? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone comes to your door and offers you a gift. You can either accept the gift or you can reject the gift, but you cannot earn it. You probably do not deserve it, but it is given to you in love. The Lord Jesus Christ has finished the work of salvation. No more suffering, no more rejecting, no more tormenting, no more crowds, no more frenzied accusation, no more marring of his body. All of that is complete and over. It is finished. It is once and for all done. Satisfaction by God and hopefully by you. To do anything would mar it, but to accept it 
would honor his work. Would you like to honor that work today? How many of us can repeat this message? We got it. We got it. We understand it. Are you living in the reality of that? If Jesus Christ has already conquered every enemy, every enemy, why are you li living in defeat today? The final enemy, the worst of all, is death. He has conquered death and hell and sin and the grave. He has leveled the battlefield. Why are you living in defeat today? Why can't you get over the hump? Why can't you walk in the light? Why can't you serve Him with joy? What is it that is keeping you? Holding you back. The Bible is very clear that Jesus said that I have come to give life and give it abundantly. Why aren't you living the abundant life? I didn't say it was going to be easy. But it's going to be satisfac satisfactory. It's going to be fulfilling. You're going to have joy in serving because out of love and appreciation for the one who have who has taken it all and says to you, I've done the work, it is complete work, it is over, enter into the joy of that work. Enter into the satisfaction of that work. Too many of us are living defeated Christian lives, folks. I know you because I know me. And I have to constantly remind myself, we're not on the winning team. Anything can change at the half. <laughs> we're on the team that won. Christ has done the work. You cannot add to it. Enter into it. Serve Him with love and appreciation for what he has done for you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the captain of our salvation who led the charge into the very pit of hell who took on himself our sin and paid the penalty separation from God for all of eternity thank you that he conquered sin he crushed the works of the enemy he's overcome the grave he holds the keys of hell and death He bids us come unto me, all ye that labor and who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Thank you that he perfectly identified himself as he said, I thirst. It is finished. 
the I and the it, the person and the work of the Son of God. Lord, I pray your Spirit would not allow us to listen to this message as though we had read some fiction book, some story that was told, but that the Spirit of God might drive it home to us, that the impeccable Christ has conquered. He is the victor. He stands victorious, and he bids us come. We thank you, our Father, that last evening two souls repented and came to the Savior. We're praying, our Father, that Christians will repent. Sinners that are not saved will repent. That they will view the most beautiful person in the universe standing, conquering sin and death and hell for them and say, that is my man, that is my substitute, and I want him to be my Savior. I trust him, I accept him, and I love him for what he has done. Father, we know no stumbling, stammering words of a man can cause conviction but we know your Spirit can. And I pray as the Spirit of God moves in and out of the hearts on these benches today that none will be passed by. But conviction might fall on all of our hearts and a new sense of appreciation for the Savior might surface that we might fall in love with him all over again because he and only he could say, I thirst and it is finished. Father, thank you for a perfect sacrifice and a perfect salvation forever. Amen.